Hi, this is Corey Feldman, and you're listening to Life Minute in a Minute. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to uh, oh. talk to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for doing this. This is so cool. Absolutely. 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 Glad to be here. You look great. So you, well, thank you. You look great, too. Very comfy in your living room there. Oh, like, wow. Well, this is the way I guess it works these days, right? Uh-huh. Everybody gets to stay home and, and do their job and still get paid for staying home all day. It's yeah, great. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> the, the wave of the future. The wave of the future. So um, is this a good angle for you? Uh, I'm just trying to make sure that like there's not too much weird like stuff going on. So yeah. let me know when you're ready. I'm ready when you are. I just want to make sure you don't get all weird. <laughs> I will not get weird, I promise. Well, not weirder than normal, but I'm already kind of weird, so I can't help that much. <laughs> so what should we talk about first? So the box set is the culmination of a lifetime of work. Um, essentially what's going on and to give you the kind of whole story in as much of a nutshell as possible. Uh, I have celebrated my 5.0 anniversary this year. And along with it in the next couple of years, ironically, I will be celebrating my 50th anniversary in entertainment, which is kind of crazy because, you know, I, I know I don't look old enough to be in entertainment for 50 years, but it's true in just two years, it will be 50 years that I've been uh, part of the cellulite universe. Wow. Um, so that said, uh, I'm very grateful to still be here, still grateful to be working and, and being a part of pop culture, as it, as it were. But uh, that said, it all started a long time ago, and I've gone through my volts because I've saved all of this stuff up through the years, so much stuff, so much memorabilia. And included in that is, of course, a lot of my music. So I decided to make this year as a big anniversary celebration about sharing with my fans this great collection of stuff that I have, both be it in the music world and in the film world and in my personal collection, because I've always been a collector of memorabilia. So that started with the, the recreation of this album. So the album, which had just had a 25th anniversary celebration, it was called Love Left. That was the name of the original project. And it was all recorded on two inch Ampex tapes. So I don't know if you know about the old recording world, but back in the old days, you know, we had to use this real tape and we had to actually edit it and cut it and splice it together and all that kind of stuff. So that's how, you know, albums were made back in the old days. And uh, I was fortunate enough to come in at the very end of that process. So it was still very much active. It was called analog and we did everything with analog. So we stored these tapes in my vault for all of these years and I happened to run into rock and roll recording legend Don Dawkin out of nowhere. Kim and I hit it off really well. We became friends. And in one of our early conversations, he mentioned to me that he had just gone through this process of baking his tapes. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, baking the tapes is where we actually take the old two-inch tapes and we put them in a special oven and you bake them at a certain temperature. And apparently all the little magnets that have fallen off through the years jump back into place kind of magically. And you get one pass at being able to run them on an old tape machine and get it to play through the way it should so that you can digitally transfer it into a new system. You're kidding. 
No, I'm not kidding. It's a very crazy, complicated process. And not only that, but like to even get it to the point of transfer, once you've got the magnets on there, you've got to go through and you've got to clean it all because there's like mold, I guess. You know, a lot of times like there's water damage or there's, you know, mold, all kinds of things that get on there. So we had to have this mad scientist, you know, chemist come in and clean every single inch of these tapes before you could even get to the process of transferring it. So once we got them transferred, thanks to Don Dawkins, we found not only the original tapes, the original songs with all of the tracks individually, you know, there, but we also found brand new songs, brand new tracks that I never released for one reason or another, whether it was because we, you know, gave them to a film and the film ended up using it. So we never put it on an album or whether it was a demo that we decided never to put out or finish or whatever. So there's all of this great stuff spanning the time from 1986 to 1994 when the album was finally released so we have this great collection of never before heard music and on top of it we were able to take the original tracks and remix and remaster them so we've got a four cd set which has got four discs along with two dvds so it's six discs all together and the first disc is a remix and a remaster of the original album the second disc is what we call karaoke cabaret and it is 10 songs of, you know, different kind of classics to the fans, of course, uh, through the years. Um, and uh, none of them were big number one hits, I'll say that much. But, you know, they, they've got this kind of cult status. So the fans know them and they love them. And they were in a lot of my films and stuff like that. So we've taken 10 of those songs and we've turned them into instrumental versions so that people can throw on the lyric videos, which we've created, and sing along. And, uh, you know, have their own Corey karaoke night or karaoke, as it were. Uh, so it's called karaoke Cabaret. And then the third disc is going to be all that unreleased material that we told you about. And that's going to be 19 songs in total. So it's a lot of material that has never come out or has never been released. And then the fourth CD will be a brand new album. So the brand new album is a sequel to Love Left, and it is called Love Left 2 army with love beautiful album it's very similar to the first in style and feel and vibe and then we have two dvds one of which includes never before seen material uh the first bit we're going to be releasing by surprise very soon in the next few days and it's the first video that i ever shot to the first song i ever recorded when i was only 15 years old and I was working on Lost Boys. And so I look just like I do in the film Lost Boys, but I'm singing and dancing in my father's apartment. It's very embarrassing. Uh, but I felt that it's something that the world should see because we all got to start somewhere, right? Uh, this is a, a peak kind of into the creative process and how it all started for me. And there's going to be live footage, stuff that people have never seen before from concerts I did back in 1988, back in 1989, you know, guest appearances from everybody who's ever been part of my life. I mean, literally, there's like, like everybody is in this at some point. Drew Barrymore, Alfonso Ribeiro, um, Mickey Thomas, Michael Damien, Michael Jackson's in there at one point. I mean, everybody is in there because this was my life. You know, it was all those rock people and rock stars that were either part of the album or part of my live appearances or just some, you know, hidden video footage from, from you know, stuff we recorded together. So it's, it's a really cool collection. On top of that, there's a lot of goodies in there. I'm not going to give it all away. We will be releasing a full breakdown of everything in the box very soon. But I will tell you that it also includes a brand new documentary, which, you know, is, is for the first time going through the whole history of my music career. So starting at the beginning and kind of taking everybody through the journey, 
using lots of clips. We had to license stuff so that we could have really clean footage, you know, and, and you get to see like my first uh, performance on the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, wow. you know, things like that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's That's a lot so of fun. Cool. It's a box of love. Yeah, I think a, yeah. I don't think a lot of people, you know, that kind of got away from you, the music, and they didn't think of you like that. Right. And, you know, and, I, and I'm very I'm very clear about that. You know, there's no secrets or I'm not hiding anything. It, it's very true that, you know, for the hardcore fans, the people that were like really there and watching everything, they knew about it and they followed along. But there's, you know, the common fan, the average person out there that just like my movies or whatever, that doesn't really know about this. So five years ago, we did a song called Go For It. It was on my Angelic to the Core album. And we did performance on the Today Show, which went viral. And it got like a billion views. And they said it was the most uh, views they'd ever had on today.com. So, I mean, it was a crazy, sensational thing. Uh, so anyway, a lot of people thought that that was my first single. You know, they thought that was the first time that I'd ever done anything because they didn't know about any of my music before that. And that was also a big motivation for the documentary, which is actually directed by a super fan who uh, made his first appearance with us on the two Corys uh, back in 2007. So we brought him onto the show because he was a super fan then and he's still a super fan, but now he's. Uh, kind of a successful super fan because he's the head booker over at the Whiskey in Hollywood. So he's got a, a decent job these days. He's not just my assistant. But anyway, he's, uh, yeah, he's done a great job. He's put together a fantastic little film using lots of archival footage and never before seen footage and rare photographs. And it's just a lot of fun. And you wrote the stuff and did you play instruments? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I play a little bit. I mean, I play a lot more nowadays than I did back in 1994. Obviously, in the beginning of my music career, I was I was still learning. I'm still learning, but I, I, would, I had a long way to go. Uh, so back then it was more just the writing and the producing and, you know, singing. And I play a little instrument here and there. Uh, but with this album, uh, the new album, I play drums on almost all the songs. There's two or three that are a little bit tricky and I didn't want to touch it so we have a really great drummer who came in and did them um and then uh there's some of the stuff i programmed because some of it is more on the dance side of things and so i've been programming and doing all that all along but i uh only with the last album started playing live drums on the albums and now for the last two albums it's mostly me drumming so that's cool and then i play uh, a bit of bass on this album actually uh, one of the songs called quick ghost in me uh, was written by me as the first thing I ever played on a bass when I picked it up for the very first time. I just kind of came up with this little riff and I kind of have always used it as a warm-up riff whenever I pick up a bass. And so I decided to finally turn that into a song. So it's, it's very nostalgic. The whole thing is just kind of nostalgic for me and for the diehard, dedicated, hardcore fans, the Feld fam, as we like to call them. They follow, they know they're excited, you know, and, and this is really for them. This is really for them sticking with me through the years, for all the years of, of tireless dedication, you know, all that we've been through, all the ups, all the downs, all the confusion, and they've never lost sight. They've never lost faith in me as an artist and as a human being. And I love them so, so much for that. So I'm very, very grateful to these people. And that's really at the bottom of it, what this is all about. That's why I'm doing this. You're such a talented guy. Oh, thank you. Well, I guess you should probably listen to some of the music before you uh, make your final decision uh, on that. <laughs> no, I think it's pretty good, though. We, we have had some amazing people along the way. I will say that. Like so it's not just me. 
Um, well, like, of course, you know, Snoop Dogg obviously did that that duet on the, the, the hit Go For It. But even on that album, we had Doc Ice from Houdini and UTFO, Kaya Jones from Pussycat Dolls, Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. So they were all on the last album. On this new album, yeah, I don't want to give too much away yet, but I will say that we have Roberta Freeman from Pink Floyd and Guns N' Roses. She's a background singer who's incredible. She did a duet with me on, on one of the songs. Uh, Don Dawkins, obviously obviously has participated uh, and a few more surprises. And that's on this box set? Yes, that's on the box set. It's all on the box set. Yes, and also like Alfonso Ribeiro, who did uh, a very early demo of mine called It's So Simple, which I never released because we we released the song in many formats, but for the first time we're releasing the original version, which was done as a duet with him and I. So people are going to get to hear that for the very first time. As well, I think we include a clip from the uh, TV movie, where Drew Barrymore and I sang it together when we were 16 or something like that. So yeah, it's really cool. What were your influences growing up in in music? And what do you listen to today? All over the map, all over the map. You know, I never like to pigeonhole art. You know, I like to just kind of have a broad scope of of all sorts of possibilities. So um, even in the early days, I would go from like Michael Jackson, Madonna, Cyndi Lauper to like Pink Floyd and the Beatles, you know? Uh, Led Zeppelin, Billy Joel, Aerosmith. Um, these days, I, I listen to Eminem. Tame Impala is pretty cool. You know, uh, I really like Air. They're really cool. I mean, you know, a lot of really good stuff. Dua Lipa. There's always new artists that are inspiring me, and I always check them out. But the ones who who really led to me being who I am, I would say, were definitely like Michael Jackson, Pink Floyd, The Beatles. Those were the top three. Billy Joel was right up there, and even Lenny Kravitz to some extent. You'll hear a bit of that influence on this album for sure. How would you describe these albums? Like a little bit of all of that? Yeah, for sure. Because like one thing that people know about my music, if you're into my music, is that no two albums sound the same and no two songs sound the same. So like when I take you through an album, I take you on an adventure. I like to call it theater for the mind. Um, So I also have another project, which I do, which which is a band project which actually features a couple of the artists from Pink Floyd uh, and uh, Pink Floyd's artist Storm Thurgeson did our artwork for that project as well. Uh, And that band is called Truth Movement. So that's like a whole concept album, psychedelic rock, very deep stuff, right? That's that project. And then for the pop side, it's a kind of a mix between rock, blues rock, pop. And then like on the last album, we had some EDM, we had some hip hop. On this album, there's a little bit of hip hop as well. There's there's even a reggae song, which we recorded in Jamaica. Uh, it, it's culturally all over the place, but I think that's what it's about. One of the big emphasis on this album, because again, I, I like to use messaging in my songs. I'm very about positive messages. And I'm, I, I like to think that as an artist, I'm following in God's will or doing God's work as much as I can. Uh, And that means by spreading love and spreading positive energy through the messages. I think that, you know, music and art should always be enlightening. You know, it should teach us something or it should at least elevate our spirits and elevate our soul. I mean, that's why we listen to it, I believe. So I like to make sure to put something positive, some kind of reinforcement in there when I can. And so all of the songs on this album, you will find definitely have a positive message. I mean, there's really maybe one or two that are like kind of throwaway love songs or something like that. But even the love songs tend to be like a bit on the self-help side. Like there's a song called Walk, which is, you know, a lot of people's favorite songs. 
Um, and it's all about going through a really tough relationship. In fact, it's a trilogy. The first song is Perfect Woman. Uh, this is on the Love Left album. Perfect Woman was about my ex-wife, but uh, it, we actually used it for uh, the film score for Dream a Little Dream 2. And it was about this kind of really beautiful baddie that was, you know, running around chasing us with a gun. So the song was called Perfect Woman. The second one is Lethal Lolita, and it's a trilogy. Lethal Lolita, which features Lita Ford on guitars, and she does an amazing, amazing shredding guitar performance that's like unbelievable. It's, you know, 1986 or 1987, when she, 1988 rather, when she recorded that part. So, I mean, she's on fire. She's absolutely on fire. Uh, so, that's like a really painful, like, you know, the world is over. I'm ending this relationship. I'm grabbing my stuff and running out the door kind of song. <laughs> and then walk is about growing up. Walk is about getting through our pain, getting through our struggle and realizing, A, there's no such thing as a perfect woman. There's no such thing as a perfect man. You know, yeah, sometimes we deceive ourselves by being blinded by the beauty of someone when we're not looking at what's really going on inside and walk is about finding the strength to know that when a relationship has gone sour you know you can only do so much to fix something but if somebody has broken your trust or it's gone beyond the point of salvation then we all must find the strength to move on we can't just wallow in it we can't obsess in it you know we've got to move on we've got to find our strength and we've got to keep going and that's what it's all about so that's why it's called walk and, you know, you can kind of get an idea of where things are headed on the album. As I said, it, it's in general a concept. So the whole concept is about love. We talk about racism. We talk about uh, social injustices. We talk about all the things that prevent us from being closer and being loved or loving ourselves and how we can find our salvation through that. And there you have it. When did you start playing? Like, how, did, and are you self-taught? Well, okay, so it all started when I was three years old actually. And a lot of people don't realize this because they think that, well, you know, you started acting at three years old. But what people don't realize is that I actually got my first acting jobs by singing. That's what I did. I sang because my sister was part of the Mickey Mouse Club. So she was already a triple threat. That's how she had to start off was being able to sing, dance and act. Acting being the third most important part of it, right? So to train me, my mother you know, at three years old, you can't read scripts, right? So you're not going to get a job by reading the script and, you know, memorizing it. It just doesn't work that way. So the best way for you to get a job at three years old is to be cute and be as cute as possible. So my mom would stick me in my room with a record player and she would say, learn this song because I love singing and, you know, singing along to records. So wow. she put me in with like, junk food junkie or put on a happy face or these kind of simple kind of easy songs. And I would listen to those songs and I would go sing it for the casting director. And that's how I would get the job. And that was the beginning of my career. And then, you know, one of the very first jobs I did was with Dick Van Dyke. It was a uh, musical, a live musical called How to Eat Like a Child, uh, where there's song and dance numbers and you had to be able to sing and dance to be able to get the job. So this was the beginning. And then, you know, from there, I went into acting more and more and, and became famous as an actor. But I also steered away from music. My father was in a band. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the rehearsal spaces. I always had a drum kit in the middle of my living room. I mean, that's just how we were raised. And then I kind of got turned off when my dad left home. You know, I got I got turned off from the whole music thing. And then I discovered Michael Jackson. And when I discovered Michael Jackson and I saw what he did as a solo artist, 
with dancing and singing. And mind you, I had never been coordinated. I never played sports very well. I was even cast in the Bad News Bears because I was so terrible at playing baseball. <laughs> so, you know, um, it was a, a pretty ironic that I watched Motown 25 and the next day I went into the mirror and I repeated what I saw and I danced just like him, you know, or at least what a version of a white 12 year old would look like, you know, or 11 year old dancing like him. And then I started doing it professionally and it was very strange because people seemed to love it. They were captivated by it. And I remember being 13 or 14 years old at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And that's like an 80,000 seat arena, right? And I'm performing on stage at a charity event. And all I could do was come out and lip sync Billie Jean because <laughs> that's all I knew I could do, right? But I did it well and people loved it. They went crazy. And I remember being on stage, you know, with the screaming fans going like, there's something here. You know, I need to learn how to sing. I need to learn how to write. I need to learn how to make my own music so that I don't come out here and lip sync other people's music. And so that's really how it all started. And then ironically, of course, I became friends with Michael and I got a lot of advice out of him. And we, you know, I asked him a lot of questions. I was in the studio with him. I was in the dance studio with him. I, I got to dance with him privately. So, I mean, you know, what an opportunity, but I would pick his brain constantly about everything from, from marketing to publicity to, you know, is it easy to, easier to sing on an empty or a full stomach? I mean, literally down to the details and things like that, because I knew I had this opportunity to soak it up from the greatest entertainer of all time. And Michael and I even wrote one of my early songs together. Unfortunately, that was not recovered for the box set. Very sad, very sad. But we still found a way to include him for a bit in there anyway. So I've been very fortunate to have the tools to get myself started. And then I wrote my first single with Michael Damien for the soundtrack of Dream a Little Dream, which came out on vinyl in 1989. And that song was called Something in Your Eyes. And it was part of the Dream a Little Dream soundtrack, which blossomed the number one single rock on from Michael Damien. So the guy that I wrote and co-produced my first single with actually got a number one single on the soundtrack album we were working on. So that was pretty cool. I mean, that's a good way to start, right? You can kind of watch the documentary and find out the rest from there. <laughs> oh, obviously, you had so many highs and so lows, uh, you know, in your childhood, like amazing things and not so amazing things it must have been. Yep. How did I've you, had you quite an extraordinary life on both sides of the spectrum. And, but you're the most lovely, positive person. I love it. How do you do it? <laughs> Faith in God. Yeah. That is number one. That is, I mean, you know, a lot of people will give you crap for that or try to make you look like some religious freak. I'm not a religious freak. I don't go to church. I pray on a daily basis, though. I, I get on my knees and I humble myself and I pray every day. And I try to live a humble life. I try to live... Um, you know, in service and, and doing God's will as much as possible. And I stay grateful for everything that I have. I feel so blessed with my life today. Um, I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful son. They're both healthy and happy. I have everything I need in my life today. I can't ask for anything more. And I think that, you know, people get so caught up in materialism and abundance and, and trying to show off with their cool, you know, snatch jeans or their slick shoes or whatever it is, if people could just realize, just be real and remain grateful and remain positive and everything will come to you. 
We can manifest our reality. We can have whatever truth we want as long as we believe in it. And that's another thing that this album touches on. It's about positive manifestation. You know, we really can have any reality we choose, but we just have to believe in it. What would you tell someone that has gone through, you know, the stuff you've gone through and is struggling? What advice would you give them? All I can say is that it does get better. You know, I remember being a child and um, looking outside of myself. You know, I went through such severe abuse as a child. Uh, I've never really told anybody how bad it was because I wrote a book. And, you know, I didn't want to frighten people, so I didn't really go into the deep layers of it. But there was extreme abuse, you know, through my through my very young childhood and, and through my teenage years. And, you know, every drug that I ever tried was because of the guy who molested me giving it to me. That's how real it was. You know, I would have never done anything if I hadn't been put into that situation. And I was put there by my own parents. It's very convoluted. And a lot of people think, well... If you've been dealt that hand, there's no chance of recovery. You know, you're going to live a life of misery and defeat and you're going to self-destruct. And I've seen it happen time and time again to many of my peers, many of my friends. But you know what? I found the strength. And the way I found the strength was through God's love and through, through prayer and through meditation and positive thinking. And I have to say it over and over because... That is the truth. There is no better answer. I've been a vegetarian since I was 12. And I really, really firmly believe, whether it's animals, whether it's women that I've dated, whether it's children, whatever it is, whoever you interact with in life, always do your best to be fair and to be morally right and upstanding. Like, like it's not that easy. Just don't lie to people. Always speak from your heart. Because the one thing that I can tell you is, There's been, you know, when I came out with my documentary last year, everybody wanted to gaslight me. Everybody tried to ruin me. They tried to destroy me and say, oh, he's this, he's that, false allegations, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Nothing stuck and nothing will ever stick because the truth speaks for itself and God sees everything. So the bottom line is, as long as you have faith and it doesn't have to be in Jesus or Allah or where, you know, I'm not going to tell you who to believe in. Just believe in something. That's the point. Believe in something greater than yourselves. We are not the most powerful beings on the planet, as opposed to what a lot of people think. There's something greater. And as long as we remember our place and stay humble and stay grateful and treat others with kindness and compassion, we will succeed. Well, your mother must have done something, right? Or who? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Or maybe not. I don't know. I went to a lot of therapy. I went to a lot of therapy. Yeah. You know, I, I had to live in a rehab for 10 months, just for starters. It was like a live in rehab when I was only 18 years old. I was scared to death. I was living, you know, next to, to gang members and prisoners who were in my bunks with me. I mean, I was in a bunk bed, you know, with, with guys that were murderers, you know, but they would serve time and then they would have to go to like a, a state facility for a year, you know, because they would get less time because they were a drug addict or something like that. And so people like that would get moved over into this facility. And I was scared to death. I was like this movie star kid, right? Well, guess what? I had to become humble real fast. And I had to be treated just like anybody else. It didn't matter what I went through as a kid. It didn't matter how famous I was or how I'd been treated up till that day. All that mattered was that I got my life together because nobody was going to save me. Nobody was going to get me off those drugs if I didn't do it for myself. 
So the bottom line is we have to find that moral aptitude. We've got to find that, that moral fiber inside something to bind us with what we believe and what we must serve. And at the end of the day, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. And I can promise you that people who are selfish and greedy, they will never prosper in the end. They, they may be rich, but they'll be empty and barren inside. What's something your current self would tell your younger self? Oh, God, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. You know, try not to talk so much. They called me mouth for a reason. <laughs> I became more and more shy as I got older. Now I'm like super shy, right? I'm like always the guy in the corner. You know, I, don't, I try not to make a lot of attention for myself when I go places. You know, I try to be really quiet. But as a kid, I, it was a self-defense mechanism. You know, um, when, you, when you're abused, when you're bullied in school and things like that, you become outgoing and funny because you figure like, hey, if I can make them laugh, they'll stop hitting me. So that was my way out was I became the class clown. And through being the class clown, I got myself in a lot of trouble in the adult world. Yeah, I had to eventually learn like, hey, there's a time and place, you know, you used it as a child and it was good for you then. It doesn't work so much as a teenager or as a young adult. Why do you think Stand By Me is so iconic and stood the test of time? It's real. There's something very real about it. And I think that's the crazy thing, right? It comes from a Stephen King book. You know, and even Stephen King himself has said that it was the best adaption of any film to his work. You know, he's he's the one who said it and he's right because there's a very humanistic quality to it. And Rob Reiner has a great talent for bringing that out. If you look at any of his early work, even Spinal Tap, which was like this crazy comedy, you know, mockumentary. But how do you make a mockumentary? You make it by the actors playing so real and so believable in their characters that you believe that this could actually be a documentary. And that's what it was. I mean, you saw it. It was, it was relevant and prevalent in this sure thing. Uh, it, was, it was prevalent in, of course, Stand By Me and, and Misery, all the films that he did after. He's, he's a prolific and amazing director. And he is really, really great at bringing the human heart into the script page onto the, you know, the screen and showing you this very human level of existence. And I think that's why, you know, Stephen King signed off on having him do the adaption. Uh, and it was, it was a hit. It was a great win. He did a great job. And not only that, but it's also a coming of age film, not just for, you know, young teenage boys, but for whatever reason, groups of girls, you know, seem to be inspired by it just the same. On my Instagram, I'll get, you know, groups of, of college girls or, or teenagers who write me and say, you know, oh, we're all dressing up as the boys from Stand By Me, you know, for Halloween, or we're going on some big adventure dressed as your character. Yeah. And I'm going like, really? Like, I understand it with Goonies, but wow, that's crazy. So, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I'm, I love the fact that it's stood the test of time, you know, and we've, we've remained friends. You know, uh, Jerry and I have been friends all these years. You know, we stay in touch on, on Instagram and we talk once in a while. Usually it's us arguing over who has the hottest wife. <laughs> that tends to be a conversation a lot. Um, but, you know, hey, we both did well. I'll say that much. <laughs> that was my next yeah. question. I was going to ask if you still hang out with them at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, not as much as I would like. Of course, we're both very busy guys. He's got the, t the talk show now and I've got everything I'm trying to finish. <laughs> deadlines, deadlines. Ah! 
Yeah. Goonies was another iconic one too. People are still talking about that, and we still whip yes. that out and watch that. Like, uh, uh, any cool memories you have from from those days? Well, I mean, yes and no, but you know, Goonies is kind of a tough subject right now. Uh, we lost our director this year, so um, yeah, unfortunately, a bit more sad on that note right now. He was, you know, he was up there, but um, still very beloved. And we, uh, you know, there was hope of doing a sequel up until just before he passed. I mean, we were literally all talking about it during the reunions. And uh, Chris Columbus had said he was so inspired by our reunions that he wanted to start writing another script. And, uh, you know, we were all excited, too. And then and then unfortunately, with Dick's passing, uh, obviously, none of us, you know, would really want to go forward without him. And uh it's just really sad, really tragic, because he was like a father to me. He was more of a father than my real father, to be honest. So it's been a tough year in that regard. But hey, we're going to keep it positive with the Love Left box set. Yes. <laughs> What's something you want to do that you haven't done yet? I want to star in a film opposite Al Pacino. Seriously? Yeah, I would love that. Cool. It's like my, uh-huh. it's like my, my dream. Oh, because I just love him. He's so brilliant. He's like, you know, everybody says, who's the one guy you would want to work with that you haven't worked with? Uh-huh. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah. What's your favorite Al Pacino film? Oh, there's so many. Oh, my God. Of course, I love The Godfather. I love Scarface. I love Dog Day Afternoon. But then I also love uh, Devil's Advocate. Oh, my God. He was so good. Yes. Have you ever met yeah. him? Uh, I have, actually. Yes. I met him backstage at the Academy Awards, and he was very complimentary he told me that he was a big fan. I was like in shock because I, you know, I basically ran backstage to meet him and, and Robert De Niro as they were coming off presenting together. And I was like, you know, I, I was like close in the audience and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to meet him before he runs away. So I like ran from the audience to the backstage. Like when I saw him on, I knew that he'd be coming out the exit. So I like ran over to where the exit was. And as they walked out, I said, Mr. Pacino, I just want to tell you I'm a huge fan. And he's like, thank you. Thank you. I said, no, I, I, I love your work. You're, you're incredible. He goes, you're incredible. I'm like, yeah, no, but, but, but you're great. He's like, you are great. And I'm like, well, thank you. But you don't understand. Like you are Al Pacino. Right. And you're a great actor. Oh, that's you know? awesome. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So that was, it was really beautiful. Uh, nice thank you so much. You're so modest. Huh? I am just oh. grateful that anybody remembers me. <laughs> I hope everybody can feel the love. And I'm very excited to be working with this new team. You know, I'm with Cosmic Wire and working with Blazar, who is like a really talented producer himself. So he's not just, you know, the business guy that's helping, you know, kind of drive things for me right now, but he's also a collaborator and a creative genius. So he and I collaborated on the last single, which was called Feeling Funky, uh, which was actually from Dream a Little Dream 2, but it's what we call a new mix. And it was using old production elements from the original song and mixing it with new production. And he helped me with that. And the song did so well, it got like 100,000 streams on Spotify alone in the first month and a half, two months. So, you know, he definitely knows what he's doing. <laughs> so I'm very excited to be working with him and the rest of the team at Cosmic Wire. Yeah, it, there's a lot to be excited about. What's your favorite comfort food? Well, I'm a vegetarian. I believe in, in sharing the friends of earth kind of theory on everything we do from what we wear to what we put in our bodies. I only eat, you know, uh, either vegan or organic farmed 
uh, dairy. So it has to be from a farm where the animals are treated well and there's no hormones and there's no additives and all of that kind of stuff. For the most part, I try to keep it vegan. I like almond milk. I am really excited that I was able to do that switch over because that was always the hardest thing. I still haven't given up the cheese. That's a tough one for me. But again, it's got to be from a friendly farm because, you know, even eggs, I've stopped eating eggs because those are just terrible for you. And when you learn what's really going on in the factory farming industry and the fact that factory farming is leading to the future destruction of our planet in such a significant way, you know, it's like the number one cause of greenhouse gases. You know, everybody talks about the coal. Everybody talks about, you know, needing to go electric and, you know, the emissions that we put out. But the truth of the matter is, do you know how much water it takes to irrigate the fields to be able to feed the cows that we kill? Do you know how many cows we kill? We kill a billion cows a month, a billion cows a month just to feed the planet. So think about how many cows we keep around every month that we're growing, which is probably about 10 billion cows a month. So if you think about 10 billion cows a month being fed, think about all the grain, think about all the food, think about all the irrigation and the water that's needed to do that. And then think about all the rainforest that we tear down to grow the, the fields of grain and the fields of grass and all the stuff that we need to feed those cows. So that's what's happening. That's the reality. So when you bring up food, it's like a whole other thing. For yeah. me. I get on a tangent. <laughs> and my wife happens to be a health coach and uh -huh. she's amazing. And I'm very, very proud of her. Uh, you know, she used to just be a model and now she's using her, her brains, putting it all to good use. And, um, you know, she's actually studying right now to get her nutritionist license uh, so that she can have a degree and, and actually go out there and help people from a more um, pronounced state, awesome. shall we say. How old's your son? Uh, he is 17. He's going to be 18 next year. He's almost out of the house. Oh, my goodness. I know. Isn't it crazy? Time yeah. flies. Minus it's 16, unbelievable. He loves you. And, he's, and he, doesn't go, uh, he doesn't go to church either. He says the same thing, but he does pray every day. So I, when Oh, I, God bless. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. I tell my support his philosophy and his endeavors and to keep it up and keep the faith. And, um, you know, my son is actually having his first boxing match because he's an aspiring MMA fighter oh, wow. and he's actually having his first amateur fight tomorrow night. So as soon as we get done with this, I'm actually going to go pack and get ready to go uh, support my kid. And is there anything else sure. you want to say before we go that, that we didn't cover? You know, I think we have covered everything oh, that we wow. needed to cover. Yeah, it's been good. You did really good. You had like, oh. great, great questions. You really oh, you're covered really good. You're really good. Thank Those you. Great answers. I don't. No, I really appreciate I, you. Thank you, Joanne, for doing oh this. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're a beautiful, wonderful person. It was so lovely to speak with you. Thank yeah. you so much. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.